As we stand together, let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, the same spirit who inspired this word is here with us now. So please come and do a work in our hearts and in our minds that we would see Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. This morning we are in our sixth week of our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, let me encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll be looking at those verses 14 through 21. When you get there, you'll notice that uh, most Bible editors have added a little description to the top of this section. It just says, prayer for spiritual strength, which is helpful because that's what this is. Paul is once again praying for the church. If you were here a month ago or you tuned in, you would have remembered that at the end of chapter one, Paul prays for the church. Well, here he is again at the end of chapter three, praying for the church. There are some parallels here. He's repeating himself a bit in order to make a point that we would know as individuals and as the church, we would know in our heads believe in our hearts and live in our lives and in the church underneath this reality, we are in Christ. In Christ. And that in Christ, Paul is going to pray today, we would be strengthened by him. That our strength would be in Christ. Uh, As we've seen so far in the book of Ephesians, for the Christian and for the church, our identity and our present and our past and our future lies outside of us, praise God. Our identity comes from Christ, and so this morning we'll read that our strength comes from him, and this matters. It matters that our strength comes from Christ, because whatever or whoever gives us the strength is what gets the glory. Whatever gives us the strength to get through is what gets the glory. If you give yourself the strength, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you grit your teeth, you come up with all the answers, you find the solution, well then guess what? You get the glory. And you could say that your theme song is, I did it my way. If the church is the one who strengthens itself and solves all of its problems and pulls itself through, then the church gets all the glory. And the church's theme song is, we are the champions. But if Jesus is the one who strengthens us, if Jesus is the one who pulls us through, if it's his will and his way and his power on display, then Jesus gets the glory. And our theme song is, praise God from whom all blessings flow. These are the basic parameters of our text this morning from Ephesians chapter 3. First, we're strengthened by Christ. And second, all the glory to Christ. Our text this morning, if you have it in front of you, begins with Paul on his knees in verse 14. Now for us, that's a pretty common posture to take when we pray, especially if you've grown up in a liturgical church to kneel when we pray. But it wasn't normal when Paul wrote this. It would have been much more normal to stand when he prayed, but he kneeled. Why did he kneel when he prayed? To show that he really meant what he was about to pray. There's an earnestness here to what Paul is praying. 
he's said a lot so far in the book of Ephesians. Let's just review real quickly where we've been in Ephesians. So chapter one, we read that we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so our prayer then is that God would turn the lights on for us, that we would live in the light of gospel reality. Then chapter two comes and we're first hit with the bad news that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But then comes the good news, but God in Christ has raised us up and seated us with him. And then he's built us upon Christ as a foundation, as our cornerstone. And then last week we began to look at chapter three, where the gospel, which was once concealed for the ages, has now been revealed in Jesus Christ. And so as Jose put it, the church's job is to gossip the gospel, that the church of Jesus Christ would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. But before Paul moves on, and before we move on, and we're going to take the next two weeks to kind of jump out of Ephesians for Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, but before he moves on, and before we move on, Paul wants to make sure that we get this down. We can think of this text this morning kind of like Paul's midterm exam. And if we do well on the midterm, then the rest of the book will go well for us. And the rest of the Christian life will go well for us. But if we flunk this midterm, then our whole lives will be wobbly. And our church will be wobbly. We have to get this down. That these two words, in Christ, define everything. And Paul gets down on his knees. When's the last time you were driven to your knees? When something in your life or something in your marriage or something with your kids or some decision you have to make about the future or something in your church was so insurmountable that you knew you didn't have the strength or the resources to handle it. We all know that it's been a hard year. It's been an exhausting year. I had lunch recently with a pastor friend of mine who said to me, I feel like in the last year of ministry, I've done 40 years of ministry. It feels about right, doesn't it? And I know I've been on my knees a lot recently, and so have many of you. And that's when Jesus has us where he wants us. That's where Jesus does his best work. Because Christianity is not for the people who have it all together, if you haven't noticed. Christianity is not for strong people. And the message of the gospel is not just for good people. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus came to raise the dead. The good news of the gospel is not that we somehow find our way to God, but that God comes to us in Christ. He comes to us on our knees and he himself becomes our strength. If you look one chapter earlier, towards the end of chapter 2, Paul uses the language of Jesus himself being our peace. He himself is our peace. Paul's message for us this morning in Ephesians 3 is that he himself is our strength. He is our fullness. So look with me now at verse 14. Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is a prayer to experience the fullness of life in Christ, a life centered on Jesus. Just look at these verses and see how saturated they are with Jesus. So let's just take a few minutes now to break this prayer down verse by verse because we need the word of God, amen? You don't need to hear my opinion. You don't need to even hear my stories as good as they are. We need the word of God. Let's look at verse 16 then, first of all. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. One way to think about this would be to think about imagining that you have been given a spiritual wallet. And in your spiritual wallet, you have two spiritual debit cards. And one spiritual debit card is linked to your account. And that account never has any funds in it. That account is always depleted. That account can't handle the number of withdrawals you want to make on it. And there are never any deposits into that account. Now, the other spiritual debit card you have is linked to God's account. And that account is filled with all of the infinite resources in Christ, all of his riches. There are no limits. Your father is never calling you up on the phone and saying, hey, take it easy. Paul is praying that we would be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being according to his riches and glory. If if our strength came from our riches, we wouldn't last to the parking lot (laughs) from this room. Our strength has to draw from God's riches. And in Christ, our strength comes from Christ. So Paul is praying in verse 17 that we would see that, we'd live like that. Then he moves on in verse uh, 17 now. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says that you being rooted and grounded in love. When I was talking through this passage this week with the other clergy and some of the folks on our pastoral care team, I was saying, you know, uh, there are some parts of the Bible that it, it almost feels like you're taking a walk on a beach where there's just so many seashells that it hurts your feet almost. You ever been to one of those beaches? And sometimes you read through Ephesians and there's just seashells everywhere. Let's just look at three little seashells here in verse 17. First, look at how Paul in this prayer is switching back and forth between talking about the Spirit strengthening us and Christ dwelling in us. The Spirit and Christ, the Spirit and Christ. That's because for Paul it means the same thing. The Spirit dwelling in us is Christ dwelling in us. He doesn't differentiate here. Second little seashell, verse 17. For the Christian and for the church, Christ dwells in us. Now Paul could have used a word here for dwell that meant just kind of come temporarily and then leave again. But the word Paul used for dwell here in the Greek, and this is important, is move in, take up residence. He rearranges the furniture. He paints the walls the color he wants to. He literally comes into our control center. And that's why we can say that Jesus is my strength. Because Jesus, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, is dwelling in me, in my control center. And the third little seashell from verse 17 is that Paul's praying we'd be rooted and grounded in love. He's mixing two images here, a botanical image, we'd be rooted in Jesus, 
in an architectural image. We'd be grounded upon Jesus because we need to understand as Christians and as the church that we are never to move on from Jesus. We are never to graduate from Jesus and go on to bigger and better things. The Christian and the church is called to always and only go deeper into Jesus and deeper and deeper because we'll never get to the bottom. And the church is called to build upon Jesus. This is the image that Paul is painting for us, not moving on from Jesus. Now, before we get to the crescendo here, Paul is building somewhere, and we're going to get there in a second. But before we get to that crescendo, I want to point out one thing here, the beginning of verse 18. Look with me at the beginning of verse 18. Paul prays that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, with all the saints, we will not find Lone Ranger Christianity in the Bible. We will not find at any point in the Bible a member of the body being encouraged to amputate themselves from the rest of the members of the body or from Jesus as the head. For us to experience the fullness of life in Christ, for us to know the love of Christ, we do so, quote, with all the saints. Life in Christ is corporate and individual, and corporate, and individual. Then in the rest of verse 18 and into 19, here Paul goes again, exhausting the limits of the language. What I love about the ESV is if you look at the beginning of verse 14 and you go to the end of 19, there's no periods. So it gives us a little taste of Paul just going for it. Just run on sentence here. So here he goes in this crescendo starting in verse 18 that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is saying that the love of Christ is immeasurable and boundless. I love how John Stott put it. He writes, the love of Christ is broad enough to encompass all mankind long enough to last for eternity, deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner, and high enough to exalt him to heaven. Love of Christ is immeasurable and boundless. And the love of Christ is also unknowable. I love how Paul writes in one breath, I pray that you would know the love of Christ, and in the next breath he says, which surpasses knowledge. As I mentioned uh, earlier, this Prayer here at the end of chapter 3 has a lot of parallels to Paul's prayer in chapter 1. But that prayer was crescendoing and building that we would know the power of Jesus that is ours. Resurrection power, ascension power, cosmic power, spiritual power, eternal power. This prayer at the end of chapter 3 is also crescendoing that we would know the love of Jesus. That we would know the love of Jesus. I was reminded uh, this past week of one of the eulogies that one of Billy Graham's daughters, Ruth Graham, shared at his funeral about three years ago. Uh, Ruth Graham told the story of a time in her life when the rug had been pulled out from underneath her. And she had moved across the country. She met a man. They dated fast and furiously. Her kids were encouraging her to slow down, but she ignored them. Her parents were encouraging her to slow down so they could meet him, but she ignored them. 
and they ended up getting married, and she said that on her wedding night, she realized she had made the biggest mistake of her life. And so five months later, she says, she found herself driving across the country to see her parents. And she says, you don't want to embarrass your father. You especially don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. And she describes driving up the mountain to go see her dad. She goes up the mountain, up the mountain, up the mountain, comes around the final corner into the driveway. Here's what she said. My father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me. He said, welcome home. There was no shame. There was no blame. There was no condemnation. Just unconditional love. He showed me what God was like that day. Why is Paul crescendoing and making such a big point in this midterm exam that we would know the love of Jesus? It's because of this. If we don't know by the power of the Holy Spirit in us that that's the kind of love that has been guaranteed for us on the cross of Jesus Christ, if we don't know in our mind that our Heavenly Father is always standing at the end of the driveway like this for us, if we don't know that, then everything that he's about to tell us in the rest of Ephesians, everything we're about to try to do the rest of our Christian life, we're going to be trying to earn that love. But if we know by the dwelling of the Spirit in our control center that that love of the Father that boundless, unknowable, immeasurable love is ours, then all that we do flows out of it. Either we do, we do, we do in order to be loved, or we go on doing because we're loved. Do you see the difference? That's what Paul is communicating to us before we move on. And remember that the ultimate reason why this matters, that Jesus is our strength, is because whatever or whoever gives us the strength is what gets the glory. And that's where Paul goes next in verse 20. Look with me at verse 20. Paul begins what's called his doxology. It's beautiful. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To him be glory. Just say those words with me. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. We are strengthened by Christ. Our roots go down deeper into Christ. We're built up upon Christ. His spirit fills us. We begin to comprehend some measure of the immeasurable love of Christ. And we begin to see in so doing that it's actually God who's doing the work. It's us, but it's not us. I had a professor one time who said it this way. You take the first step. God takes the second step. And by the time you get to the third step, you turn around and see that it was God who took the first step. That's, what this, that's how this works. Now, this church, Truro, has been blessed with such a rich legacy of saints who are now in glory, who understood this principle. And I was thinking uh, of the most recent funeral that we've had in this room just a few months ago. Many of you were here, or you might have watched online, for Priscilla Eustace. What was it that kept Priscilla going? Through polio, the loss of a child, the demise of a marriage, Cancer, strokes, different cancer, different strokes, hospitalizations, rehab, financial difficulty, 
family difficulty? What was it that kept Priscilla going? What was it that kept her coming here and sitting in that front row when she was wrecked with cancer and physical pain? What was it that caused her to stand to her feet and lift her hands in praise when it made the physical pain 10 times worse for her? What was it? She would have been, and she often was, the first to tell you it wasn't her at all. It was Jesus. It was his infinite resources she was drawing from. It was his love that radiated from her life. It was his word that sank down deep into her soul. It was her, but it wasn't her. And God has a message for us today from Ephesians 3, that he himself is our strength. And he will receive the glory. It has been, and it continues to be, a difficult season for many of us in many ways. How do we respond then when our neediness is utterly exposed? We could go one of two ways. The first way is to say, I got this. We got this. I have the ability. I have the answers. I know what to do. I have the plan. We have the plan. We have the resources. We have the legacy. We have the campus. We can do this. We're going to do this. And maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. And if it does work, we get the glory. Or maybe we get on our knees. Maybe we get on our knees and we say, oh, Father, would you grant me, according to the riches of your glory, strength by your spirit in my inner being. Grant us strength by your spirit in our inner being that we, being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength with all the saints to comprehend and to know the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. He himself is our strength. And he will receive the glory. Let's pray together. God, our Father, how we need you. And we thank you that he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace, is our identity, is our hope, is our future, is our joy, is our glory, is the lifter of our heads, and he himself is our strength. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen.